Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the GM. Come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-around good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is From the Courts of Cush, a tiefling paladin named Akmenis. From the Spice Coast comes a human fighter named Odvik. An elderly knoll from Dabu, a Yamaja cleric of life, Oraki. From Parts Unknown, the Asmar warlock of the Starlight Court, Elbrum. Then there is Captain Deuteronomy's savior, the elf-marked wizard named Kalidus. And last, but not least, from across the Middle Sea is the human paladin named Kalin. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We are using the D&D 5e rule set, and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now, good people, welcome to the show. In this episode, we rejoin Lieutenant Mehmet and the Grey Company as they head to investigate the home of one Abdul Haq. Is this Dogs of Bastet Ware Crocodile responsible for the missing Princess Karima? Was sending a corpse full of calling cats the reason for their predicament? Will Lieutenant Mehmet break the law to save his associate? Before the company stands a home, a gong, a door. Disaster. Except, Calidus remembers warding glyphs and Sill shakes her bottom to release some pixie dust. The ground floor is flooded. Amongst scattered tile islands are floating, bloated corpses of crocodiles. The floor above presents a scene of nightmare. There, chained to the wall, Richard. Kalin and Calidus waste no time and rush to the top floor. It looks pristine, untouched. Expensive and beautiful objects. Loot lie amongst exquisite pillows and carpets. The Oath of the Ancients Paladin Kalin starts grabbing anything that isn't bolted down. Calidus assists, wrapping large items in the exquisite carpets. A moment later, Calidus screams as he falls down the central atrium. An exquisite carpet has grappled, restrained, blinded, smothered Kalin. The rest of the companions, still on the first floor, enter combat mode. Elbrum blasts the carpet with eldritch energies. Kalin hangs on by a thread. Oraki discovers a key. What might it open? In a moment of inspiration, Calidus casts water breathing and dives below the surface of the fetid water. What lies beneath? Could the Princess Karima be down there? Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Well, hello, interwebs. I'm back once again with my good friend Mick to talk about what we did last session. And last session, we, which was just a couple of days ago, we started out in the office of Lieutenant Mehmet. 
and you guys had in the previous session you had just met with him and were talking to him with regards to the Princess Karima situation and he provided you some details. He let you know that there was something going on in the district of the hyena. He was working with Lieutenant Salemni from the district of the hyena, but she could only give so much help because someone was poisoning and murdering all the cats. And in Perbastet, Perbastet is the city of the goddess Bastet, who is part of her nomenclature. I don't know if I said that right or not. But nomenclature. She, sure. She is yeah. a goddess of cats. And so cats are extremely important in this city. And the whole Grimalkan Eye adventure that you guys have been on is, you know, related to cats. So anyway, someone's killing cats. So this is really, really important. So uh, he lets you know that that's a focus. So they weren't able to give as much help to, to finding Princess Karima that he had people put on, that he went to monitor the Growling Sanctuary. He went to monitor... Abdul Haq, who was a known person who was had issues with Princess Karima, and he was also looking at her place. And they found that her place had been ransacked, that it, it appeared that Abdul Haq wasn't about, which confirmed what you guys had learned from Uther. Mm-hmm. And he also mentioned what else? He mentioned, I had him tell you guys something else. What else did I have him tell? you remember? Is it about the fact that the ransacking was not characteristic of... Oh, yes, yes. So you guys were like, it's Abdul, it's Abdul, and Lieutenant M is like, oh, I don't know, because, you know, this. he's usually really careful. We've been trying to nab him for a long time, but we've never been able to. So big and dumb he might look like, but he's anything but dumb, so it's just, just not his... Not his style. Motive operandi. Yes, not his style. And... So we started having some questions and I was hoping someone would say something and remember something that I thought was really relevant that would kind of put the nail in a coffin. Because I, I, I was like, well, that's just not his style. Why would he go all of a sudden go out and do this? And you guys didn't have really any answer to that. So I had, once again, a bit of insight from your female character, <laughs> Oraki. Mm. I, I whispered to her, you remember the whole business about the body and the calling cats that you guys sent back to him? Yes. So to me, that seemed like a really good motive. Now, the the question was, why would the calling cats in the body equal Karima? Right? What What would tie that together? And I was hoping as well that you guys would remember the business about the imp being involved and how the imp was always just above invisible monitoring what was going on. And he, the imp saw you guys uh, hooking up with Princess Karima when you did take the body to do the speak with the dead in order to find out the, the last bit of the information about the growling sanctuary. So Abdul Haq was aware that you guys were working with Princess Karima. So why would he kidnap her from my point of view was, and I think it sunk in, was you guys, at one point you were in a growling sanctuary and you had been talking to Onka. Onka had come along, she'd been beaten and you knew she's a were-crocodile because she was with you guys in the growling sanctuary the last time and if it wasn't for her and your witch bolt, you guys would have been severely trounced. So 
when you came to return, Onka didn't want to go back down there, and you found out that she's really not a thief. She can't disable traps at all. In fact, she tripped all the traps while she was down there because she didn't know what the hell she was doing. And that's how you guys got attacked in the first place. You weren't there. You were, uh, you were on I your hiatus for that particular session. So anyways, she didn't go down the second time, and this time you were back, and you guys went down, and you seen a bit of a division between Onka having been beaten and previously she hadn't when the 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 creatures in the sanctuary had had hit her they didn't affect her because she was a were crocodile but this time around when she came to visit you guys she'd been clearly beaten so what could beat her and hurt her even though she was a were crocodile so you guys found a division and you were trying to push that division so the idea was well let's send a body up fill it full of these damn calling cats and we'll send it to abdul haq and then maybe that'll just take care of the sisters and Abdul all at once. Onka can take over. We've now got an in on the dogs of Bastet. Yes, indeed. That body with the calling cats in it, Richard brought it back to, to his boss. And now all of a sudden, you know, fade to black. We're back with Lieutenant Mehmet. And he's like, well, what the hell? I mean, why would Abdul Haq do this? He doesn't know. And then Oraki's like, oh, well... Uh, I wonder if it's related to those calling cats. Eventually, you guys figured that, yeah, it could be that Abdul. And, and Lieutenant's like, well, I'm going to go down there. And even though I'm not supposed to do this, I'm going to break into that house and I'm going to find my friend. And so you guys all decided that, well, it's early enough in the afternoon. Let's head down there. So you get to the door. And I think Odvik or Elbrum was about to break the door down. He was. <laughs> So it's this point that we, we remember that the whole house is protected by a glyph, which has to be removed. Then we do that and we, we open up the door. It almost was that you guys didn't remember that there was a glyph, but I was just like, Calidus, give me a history check. <laughs> yeah, we're not real big on history. <laughs> history is one of those things. Yeah. It's an issue so with Calidus the game, isn't it? It's, it's how long ago it didn't really happen. Yeah. You remember that previously I'd investigated that door and found that it was covered in glyphs yeah. and told everybody, don't touch that door. <laughs> and this time, let's fine. go through. Uh, anyways. It would have been fine. Uh, I actually would have been interesting to see what would have happened. Yeah, but it didn't. No. So we can save that little plot till later. So all of a sudden, Elbrum comes along and says, hey, Sil, can you do a little something, something on that? That was pretty good. Yeah, he did. So she shook a little bit of her bum and let some pixie dust drop and dispelled the magic and... Gone. Luck of the dice, I guess. Yeah. Because she did an amazing job. And, of course, I tried to make that sound as authentic as possible in terms of, yes, it was effective, something happened. But any which way, ultimately, she dispelled the magic on the door and you guys were able to get past. Which we did. And you came into the, the, the home of Abdul Haq. And once again, the bottom floor was flooded with, it had fetid water. And it had the, some corpses of some dead crocodiles. And you guys started to investigate the house. And what did you guys find? Nothing. No, we found dead crocodiles. And it's a three-story house, an interesting construction. I guess you could say it's like a basketball cut in half with a, a central core. And so we had to get from the ground floor up to the first floor. And we found that there was a, a ladder hanging down, retracted, but 
designed to hang down. Yep. So we were able to, Caldas was able to mage hand it up, mage hand it to get the ladder down, and we went up the ladder and we found what we normally do: dead bodies. Yep, another another dead crocodile up on that floor, chains, yeah. and you found and Richard. We found Richard, who was now to the wall, who is now loyal dead. One of the loyal dead. And I just got a kick that because we talked about the loyal dead often, especially with the new players, because they tend to run the the taxi service. And so Kaylin was just like, "I'm going to try talking to him," and I was just like, "Not going to work." Sure. All right. Go ahead. So yeah, I mean, the loyal dead are the loyal dead. They have an intelligence of zero. They're very, very wise. They can do tasks that they used to do in life, or they can be t- do tasks and do tasks well that they've been given. But communication skills, no, they don't. And they don't remember anything. No. You guys managed to... Well, in fact, Elbrum had his little fancy-dancy thieves tool with a special ring that turned into a little dragon, kind of like one of those Chinese dragons that would sneak into a lock. That doesn't have wings. He added that. I think that's really (laughs) neat. Anyways. It means that it, it can remotely open a door. I like that he'd have to at least touch the door and let it run across his, his arm and, and go in to do whatever. I can imagine like he, he holds out his arm and points his finger at the door and, and the dragon sort of takes a run up from his elbow down to his finger and then lifts off and flies towards the door. A bit like a spear and, and then just lines up on the lock and straight into the, into the keyhole. The thing is too is he decided that he was going to be specialize in thieves tools as one of the options that he was able to choose when he built his character so he's got a really freaking good proficiency with thieves tools and so when he uses this creature it also gives him an extra plus one bonus to it so i mean really locks are not a problem for for this not thief yep so he was the guy who unlocked the front door after you removed the glyph and he was the guy who unlocked richard from being manacled to the to the wall and of course richard as soon as he's free, he just walks off. And eventually, you guys, you do a bit of searching. There's nothing to be seen there. You get to the top floor, and it's cushions everywhere. It's, it looks pristine. It looks untouched. It looks untouched. That's mm-hmm. right. And so you guys looted the shit out of the place. We did. Yep. Yeah. There was lots of things to be had. You know, and the which, interesting which we... thing is it was a full three-hour session from start to finish where I don't think we farted around very much. No. And yet, it doesn't seem like we accomplished much. I was thinking that very thought this morning. This is going to be a quick conversation. Yeah, because at the end of the day, so you're looting the place, and this is the one encounter from the entire session, is as you're looting the place, I had a good kick. I was, I was describing the different bits of loot, and I think it was Kalen. Kalen, Kalen you know, I should, I should actually give him a hard time about this, because he looted it, and I have to ask, would a... A paladin, I think he's Oath of the Ancients. Would an Oath of the Ancients be so focused on loot? <laughs> I'm, I'm going I'm to start, start penalizing him on, on his because he's supposed to be Oath of the Ancients. It's like there's um, some of the other paladins, like I don't know if it's a conquest or. Looting is not allowed. Well, you know, I, I would think that um, or, or some, some of the paladins it would be really faux pas. So he took anything that wasn't touched down except for the stuff that seemed like it weighed. And of course, when Callus gets up there, he sees the chimes and they, they've got some gold filigree on it and stuff. He's like, yep, those are coming with us. We'll <laughs> so take those as well. He pulls them off the walls and 
starts wrapping them up in the, the exquisitely crafted carpet. And as he actually he... looked at the carpet and said, I wonder if that's a flying carpet before he did this. Yep. Yep. He did say it was one of the, yep. And it kind of was. And it was like, wouldn't that be neat if that was a flying carpet? We could just chuck it all on top. Yeah, great. Fantastic. It's, it sort of was. It didn't happen. No, no. But it was amusing, though, because the carpet did come to life and it tried to grab you. And yeah, you avoided it, but you basically fell through the hole in the floor all the way back down to the bottom floor, taking 20 feet of falling damage. Into water. Into water. Into and it was fed, done with it. It was done two and a half somersault with pike. So, yep, you know, it was yep. pretty, right pretty into artistic. the little bit of tiling floor yeah, that was one beside small it. small piece of floor I actually was able to hit. <laughs> clipped. Yeah. So in the end, Kalen tries to take a swipe, and he doesn't, and the rug swipes him and wraps him up and starts smothering him. And it, the rug did a good job. And all of you, got, everybody else managed to get up there because they were all on the second floor. They didn't know what was going on until all of a sudden Calidus comes dropping down beside them, kind of like, ah! And they're like, hey... <laughs> the hell so Kalidus pulls himself out of the water and he's like go help Kaelin because all of a sudden Kaelin is wrapped up in being smothered and all like you know making these muffled sounds coming from the carpet so they do get up there and it's Odvik doesn't swing with his his sword or whatever it is his weapon is he's trying to pull the carpet off and I thought that was interesting whereas Elbrum's like Eldritch Blast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he, he apologized first, though. Yeah, I he thought did. that was very good. He did. But, well, and I but guess, what I am about to do, please forgive me, splat. I wonder if this is a case where both Odvik and Elbrum actually knew that this rug, if you smash it, half the damage goes onto the player that it's, that it's got a hold of. I don't think either j- of them knew that. Why else would you say sorry to Kaelin? Oh, no, the apology was about the fact that the Eldritch Blast was going to hit him as well. It wasn't because he knew the rug was going to crush him, because he's wrapped up in a rug, but his head's yeah. out one end, his feet's out the other oh, end. Oh, no, 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 he's completely, completely... Well, I guess that's my And bad. again, it's, it's the... However you imagine it. Well, I imagine it like that, so you've got sort of a bit out the top, a bit out the bottom. Yeah. It's like being crushed by a python. Except he's, and he's so grappled, he's, he's restrained, and he's blinded. Yeah, and so he, he's about to get set on fire yep. by an eldritch blast. Yep. So, of course, it's the... Sorry, Kalen. I hope you can take this one. Poof. Yep. And he didn't because he got hit. Half the damage uh, hit the carpet and the other half hit hit. Uh, yeah. Hit Kalen. Hit his feet. Yep, sure. Yeah. Not the head because the head's very attractive. But just well, I, is he attractive? I don't remember. Anyways, so yeah, and then Odvik tried again. But ultimately, as he was getting smothered, and I, that's one thing I, I, I don't actually know what the rules for smothering are, like, I just imagine that everybody can hold their breath for 30 seconds, and that's like that's I would have like thought there would rounds. be something like a crushing damage if, if every time it gets hit, it squeezes tighter. Oh, every round, it just squeezes tighter. Yes. Yeah, so and I, that's what I was trying of... to describe to him, was that your, your ribs start to feel yeah. crushed in and stuff like this. From that point of view, uh, this is one of those things where I guess uh, DM takes his agency and makes a but, ruling But if the they're moment. taking the damage like for every hit... So if there's a round where the carpet doesn't get hit, then you, you take damage anyway. So oh, yeah, yeah. No, the, 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 the carpet itself does damage. So every well. time, as long as he was being smothered at the top of the car- carpet's turn, I would roll damage. Yeah. And then once the carpet gets hit, he takes damage again. And that's right. Yeah. yeah. So for every round, he gets two, two hits of damage. Yep. Yep. And it was an exquisite rug, too. So it was stronger than a regular rug. 
I think we should have tamed it and kept it so we could fly around on it. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. The exquisite that would have been it, eh? Mm. Flying rugs, those are bloody expensive too. They're like twenty thousand gold and whatnot. Yeah. And you guys, I, there was a point at one point that I don't know if you guys actually even understood what happened was when you guys were with this is back a few sessions ago when you guys were at the pallet court and you were there with Ciro from the GFA and yeah. you were the pallet courts diplomat what was his name whatever it was but a heat came storming in and it was just like what the hell are you guys doing blah blah, blah. just give the bloody hand and you've got stuff to do and then she left and as she was leaving it seemed like she folded into the ground or something like that or That's the right. ground reached yep. up and embraced her and I think Calidus was like, that's a scully otter or something like this, or she's the scully. <laughs> yep. But the same thing is that there are flying carpets that do different things. And there are flying carpets that, instead of flying through the air, fly through the earth. Uh-huh. So she had one of them. Perhaps. Something. something that we need to get is a flying carpet. We don't have enough stuff. Flying carpet would be cool. Yeah. Flying carpet would, would be, be really cool. Like a big, a big ass one. And there's like, and within Southlands, because Southlands, it's, Standard flying carpets are, there's three sizes, and that's just it. They fly. Small, medium, and large. Yeah, pretty much. It's like pretty... McDonald's are flying carpets. Yep, yep, exactly y- If like you that. get a crimson nib flying carpet, what happens? <laughs> it only goes five feet off the ground. <laughs> it doesn't do height, it does five feet off the ground. And as you fly, but it goes really, you, really fast. And as you fly along, the threads keep falling off it. Or, or, Until or eventually, it, it it's a large get, collection of holes joined together. Well, no, no. How about it, it, it doesn't go up higher than five feet, but it goes bloody fast. Can yeah. you just imagine going over terrain? Speed <laughs> <laughs> bump. You, it, it comes with vomit bags. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, That's that actually good. a good idea. And, that, that and was, when it stops, it stops really fast, so you yeah. actually just get flung off the front. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because when you say stop, it stops. Yeah, there's no magic that protects your momentum. No, no slow down. Yep. So I, I, no, I think I think it should also. I mean, they can't they can't last forever. So therefore, it must, with every use, open up a small hole somewhere. Yeah, new hole. <laughs> Put your backpack on, the, on there, and you're flying along, and the hole Ro- gets bigger. Roll and the backpack. Percentile just, oh, percentile shit, there goes my backpack. Back. Yeah. Oh lord. Or you could lose a player through a hole. Well, you know that's funny that you say that because like in the so I joined with the Eberron campaign. And I started out like they were like, well, how do you introduce yourself? Because Nalki's good too. He likes to make sure that the introduction of a new player makes sense. So they're all on a small island. And how the hell do I get on the island? Well, in the world of Eberron, they've got the airships going through everywhere that are run by air elementals. And well, what happened? How would, you know, why would I land? Well, you don't land. The air elemental escapes. Your ship crashes. And I was just like, my character is a level four. I'm 40 years old. I've accumulated a lot of stuff, and I'm, I'm basically in transit between locations. I've got all my gear with me, and it goes into the ocean. All I get to do is I manage to grab one of these wooden life rings on the ship that basically gives me feather fall so that I don't die when I land, but now I've got nothing. Yep, and, and I right. did this in the session last night, too, where I was like, where's my, my shells of prestigitation? Because I, I thought the whole demolition man with Arnold, uh, not Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, was he goes into the bathroom at the police station and he's like, where's the toilet paper, man? And they're like, he doesn't know how to use the three shells. And they've never described those three shells with the function of those shells. Were. So I was just like, yep, I've got shells of prestigitation that keep me clean. No one got it. 
No, no one got it. But in, in the Eberron setting, when I mentioned that, they all got it instantly. And I was just like, wow, that's too funny. Classes of players, eh? Yep. And speaking of which, though, I did have to laugh that Thwark started out with a Sean Connery accent, then moved on to an Arnold Schwarzenegger accent. No, he started with the Arnold Schwarzenegger. I have no idea what that third accent was, but it no. was the best one. Yeah, it, 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 it wasn't supposed to start with a Sean Connery, but it, it probably did. Yeah. And the, the, it, the Arnie, it kicked to into keep... Arnie, and Arnie was good for about... So we should explain. Last night, the two of us played for four hours, and we played from, I don't know, for five hours. It was like from 8 o'clock until 1 o'clock in the morning. Mm. And so for the first hour, I was doing, trying to get into channeling Arnie Schwarzenegger. Yep. And apparently I sounded like Sean Connery, which I find completely insulting. But then for the next two hours, I really nailed it. Like, I had Arnie down pat. And then by that time, it's about 11 o'clock at night. And the last two hours, it was like, I'd lost lost Arnie completely. So it was like, like, yeah. It was the Irish, Pakistani, Japanese guy. Well, yes, Irish Indian guy. Because there was was quite a bit of Indian in that accent, Yes, I'm wondering what it is that we are doing that we are not quite getting it right. Yep. Yeah, so it was a lot of that, and then eventually just went into you know stupid Australian at one yep. o'clock in the morning. Yeah, at that point it was just like, okay, yeah. done, done, done. As we get tired, it's we just lose the accent. Yeah, lose the accent and lose the desire to. I mean, there's one thing to be said is if you're doing three a three hour session and it starts getting close to four hours, either the engagement has to be there to keep the four hours, or you got to make sure it's like okay, we're at the three hour mark, we've got to call it and just let's call it. And that's the end of it. Yeah. Although I think the key to an accent, one of the keys to an accent is if you're going to do an accent and you can't stay in accent, is to just make sure you've got a YouTube of, of one of the classic lines of whoever it is that you're, you're trying to copy. And so once you lose it, you just play it. I tried to stick with my, my Southern Bell, but apparently I sounded Your like Southern a Texan. Southern Bell was great. So I don't know what that means, but I don't know. That was fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, I had fun. It was like, that was like yeah, that was definitely gone with the wind. Yeah, but there was there was times like when Bark was going with Ellie, the girl who was playing the the tiefling. Yeah, you guys were just going and going and going, and I was just like, okay, I step back. And then there was that one guy who kept trying to play, and oh, it was like such a disaster. I was just like, it hurts me when you try to role play. I was just yeah. like, it's it's here's Thwark and Ellie moving in a role playing direction, working with this NPC and questioning in their own ways and. There's a banter going back and forth there. And then this other guy is clearly he wants to be a part of it, but he goes and it's like perpendicular and it's just so... Off. 180 degrees to where we're trying to get to. Oh yeah. man, it's just like, wow, that and just it's interesting that It's interesting that whole idea because normally if you're having a conversation with a bunch of people and you're standing there looking at each other, yep. you can use the body signals to figure out if if you're going in the right direction. So if a couple of you are asking someone for information about a fridge, you want to buy a fridge or something, when you're standing there with a wife and you're going, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. You're in sync with each other. You know what it is that you're trying to achieve. You know the questions that you want to ask, but you also make sure that you don't tread on the feet of the other one. When you don't have the body signals and you're just doing it like we are, just using audio, then you end up having this, this situation. You've got to get in sync in audio and... You've really got to get there right at the start. Yeah. And that girl last night was brilliant. Like oh, yeah. She, she, was, she, she was right on the money. And I love how the, the fact that she just kind of reined everybody in. And I was happy. I was just like, that's very good. Yeah, I'm following her. So she did a good job. Yeah. But, yeah, the other guy was just really, really quiet. And the other guy, oh, man, he just, 
You know, I, I hate to say this. Like, I seen how you guys were like, let's go to the bar and dig up information. He went to the bar because I want to drink whiskey and uh, get drunk. And I'm just, oh, yeah, okay. But, you know, I don't get that role playing. I really don't. It just doesn't. You can go to the bar. You can go anywhere you want to get drunk. I think, yeah, I think there is the, the, the if you don't know, if you're new and you don't know how to role well, play that, that's true. or what the aim is, then because what you have to do is you have to basically follow along. And it, it, it sort of follows on from, so last night we just got chucked in as a bunch of level six in a, in a one shot. Yep. A couple of issues come up from that is that chucking people in that have never played before or never used the fantasy round interface, which I think is the best thing ever. They they need to get chucked in at a level one, yeah. Because the you've got to manage the interface and manage your and play learn how to role and, play. Because yeah. that was very and clear. Then, one of the yeah. things they said right at the beginning was very clear. Like out of character, so what do we do? I had no idea how to role play. Yeah. So and the best way to learn to role play is to see if you can find yourself a couple of people that are that do good at how. it, that do yeah. know how, yeah. and listen to what they do. Yeah, and then just steal all of the good stuff that they do. Yep. And I do mean like steal. If someone yeah. does something good, just steal it. No one yeah, cares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you guys end with with Saber and Saber's ass hatch. Yeah. Well, in the Eberron campaign, there's a Warforged. He's not a Gear Forged, but Warforged, Gear Forged, same thing. They're robots. So I was just like, what about his ass hatch? Well, I threw the ass hatch thing into the yeah. Eberron one because it was it was hilarious. And of course, the DM he listens to our podcast, so he's like, "Yeah, I know where that ass hatch business comes from." <laughs> it's interesting that that you can create these these characters like Gary, for example, who's yeah. a troll. Well, he, the, what, the elephant, he? He was a, Francesca the elephant, was. I, I thought she started out as Ellie the elephant. No, no it was Francis, always Francesca. Francis. Francis, no. you know, it's got to be Francis. Francis. It can't be Francesca. Yeah, Francis. That, that was because Francis the talking mule was a nineteen yeah. forties. Uh, movie so francis is a better name than francesca yeah. it's it's short easy so francis yeah francis the the elephant yep yep is is good and i think francis is going to be around for a while francis will go with gary the troll and the ass hatch yep there you go yeah as part as part of some some uh shit that comes out of nowhere yeah but anyway um so you you guys encountered the the rug kaylin got beaten fairly severely and you guys had still at this point you had just I mean, it's still the same day as you guys had arrived in the morning on the sand ship. You headed out to the pallet court. It was closed. You you went to Hakan's house. You went to the the Jubilant Nargili. And eventually, you got to meet up with Lieutenant Mehmet. So you guys had received some damage. I can't remember from where that damage um. came from. Actually, I can't remember. But you guys were damaged before you went to Abdul's house. So at this point, Kalen was yeah. further aggravated in his damage. Like he was. He was he was hanging on by a thread at the end, yeah. and so he used up all of his palate and healing. And I mean, all of you guys are not at your peak hit points. No. And but what I really liked was at the very end, you guys did some good investigations. You found a key, and I I I was sitting there thinking, what do I need to do to get these guys to do figure this out? And then you were just like, I'm going to go. I got an idea. I got it. Give me the key. And you went down to the the bottom floor and you did some water breathing to do a search and you found the grate. And I was just like, that was really, really cool because I didn't have to do anything. You just saw something. And how did you, like, what was it that, that made you think to do that? Because oh, I was that, sitting, racking oh, no, my brain, how that, am I going to convince them to do this? Ah, well, even though I don't remember history every now and again, I do remember a little bit of history. And the first time we were here, 
we know that Abdul was sitting on the platform and there were crocodiles in the water. And the crocodiles weren't there. You could tell the crocodiles weren't there to protect him because he had people sitting around above water that were clearly able to protect him. He didn't need the crocodiles in the water, which meant the crocodiles in the water were there to protect whatever was in the water. That was the, that was the, the thing. On top of that, the two crocodiles are dead when we get there and Calidus falls in the water and nothing comes and rips his legs off. So you take all of that and you say, okay, the crocodiles that were on the platform's dead when we opened the door, they were the ones that were protecting whatever's in the water. Calidus hasn't been killed, there's nothing in the water, so he's not likely to die when he gets there. Take the key, key's going to fit something, it was hidden. What will it fit? Well, where would you hide stuff? Of course, you'd hide it in the, in the ugliest, nastiest place that you can find, in the fetid pool of sewage at the bottom. So that was the yeah, Calidus logic. Check well, everything that you could find at the... T- check the whole pool, find the grate, open the grate, go down the grate, see what you can see. And, and realistically, and then, that's where I wanted to get you guys in this session. If you went to Abdul yeah. Haq, I wanted to get you guys into the sewer. Yeah. And I was just like, well, there's got to be a sewer grate somewhere. Yeah. And I've been debating and debating, well, okay, I, I got to place it somewhere. And then as soon as you went into the water, I was like, yay, I don't have to think about it. There it is. Yeah. And then we go back to that and we go, and, and I guess this is part of, like, when you look at the Calidus decision, let me blow my own trumpet, or let me just role play how Calidus thinks about stuff. Sure. So Calidus thinks about this as being, we've uncovered a new place to go to. Yeah. And we do the, the reconnaissance. We don't just go barging off on our own down the, the sewer. We open the grate. Well, see what we can see. The Calidus tends and to be the first guy who sticks his head up all the yeah, time. <laughs> that's true, he does. But he's not completely stupid. And then we come back and then we reset, yep. get ourselves together, heal ourselves up, yep. figure out what it is we need. We know that whatever's down there is going to be down there tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So we are now in a situation where we can either, figure, we can either go or we can do something else. And again, it will depend on the timing because now if we go back to where are we now, we have now found a sewer that leads somewhere. We still don't have Karima. She could be at the other end of the sewer. That's a possibility. But time's a factor, though, because... And we're still not, we're still not convinced that she's been kidnapped. So we're pretty much at the situation of, like, from what has been said by Lieutenant Mehmet, is that she wasn't kidnapped by Abdul Haq. Well, he doesn't know where the hell she is. He doesn't all, know all where she is. All he knows is that it's, her house was ransacked. Not... Yeah, well, he and knew... it's not consistent with the kind of behavior that, that you would expect. Well, he knew, though, that her house had been ransacked before any of this stuff, and she'd been returning to her house to fix the, it being ransacked. And mm. so when he went there to get her, because she didn't report in, the house was still ransacked. Yeah. And it was ransacked before because of the bloody sisters and the ghasts who were looking for the Kamalkan eye, and they followed her because when you guys found Mistress Henna, she was with you, not Mistress Henna, Sweet Hasna, mm-hmm. when you guys found her body, or no, she found Sweet Hasna's body and collected the stuff off of her, and one of which was the necklace that Hasna yeah. took from the body of the scholar, which was the first of the calling cats. And that's how they found Karima, and they searched her place, and they mm-hmm. went through it and destroyed it. And that's yeah. when she came to you guys after you guys had just returned from the... the the adventure with the two elves that took you into the web world. And when you guys got back, she was just like, what the, where the hell have you guys been? 
my place has been gone, blah, 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 Hasna's dead, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We don't have a handle at all on, on what's happened to her. Except Oraki's vision. Other than, and other I can't than remember. She, yeah, if, she is still alive and she's surrounded by some pretty good stonework. And, and she's just, alive, but she's been beaten badly. And so we look at that and we go, yep. I wonder if we should look at the, the beating that was put upon her and the beating that was put upon Onka. And were they the same or similar? Good question. Good question. Only Oraki could answer yeah. that. Uh, was Oraki around? At the time, yes. He was there was when you guys were at the refugee tent and when Onka arrived. Because that was, was the time she came in because she was like, I'm not going with you. Here you guys go. Here's a thieves tool kit. And it was, okay. it was a, so actually, was it was a really was his, good thieves tool yeah. kit. Okay. So he might know we could ask, or she might know we could ask that question. That would be good. Anyway, we are now left with the what's down the tunnel, where is that we're looking for. Got to go to the GFA, report back to the, the vampires, let them know what's going on. The list goes on and on and on. Well, I, I mean, I, I really like the idea of, I don't remember which one of you, is it Kaylin or Oraki, who was like, we need to find someone who knows architecture so I can describe this stonework. And I was just like, wow, that's a good idea. And of course, there is the counselor of this. There, there's the council of sand dude, Bashir, who is yeah. the keeper of the city. And so he's got other subordinates, other counselors that are underneath him that are in different areas. And so that was the introduction of, I think, is it Fargrim Fagmar? I can't remember his name. Uh, who's another counselor who was this guy of architecture yeah. and whatnot. So he's an option. And he's up in the, the lioness district where the council of sand is, which is mm. the the lofty upper echelon district of Perbastet. Where the special people live. And that's where the GFA is. That's where, where Cyril is. But mm. uh, Again, you look at I, it and say, what is the next step that we go down? What's the next thing that we need to do? And I think that's going to come down to what time it is when we, where we are now. So it's mid-afternoon, I think. I'm just trying to remember what did, he, what did Mehmet tell you guys. Good thing I started highlighting stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, he also told you guys something else. He also told you guys before you left that he mentioned that the warlord Rykar had been sent out. Yes, he had. That's and right. was, He'd was been sent out to take care of the in the Sarkland Desert. Toscali. And so the question and was, 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 was he successful? And his response was, there hasn't been any extra incursions into villages. Yeah. So I think so. Yeah. yeah that, but no, that wasn't what I was looking. I was looking to see if he told you something else and he didn't. No. He did tell you, though, that Bashir does have that counselor. And, I mean, that's definitely an option. You could go see There him. are a string of options. And I think that the conversation will, will, will be the debate about timing. I think we will still get back to this timing issue that as soon as night falls, we're back at the Powered Court. And, and that's where we need to get to. So the time is now. So when this was happening, you were at the lieutenant's office at 12. took half an hour to get to Abdul Haq's house. That's about three. And the investigation and all that stuff that took, it's roughly about one thirty, two o'clock in the afternoon Yeah, now. so it's mid-afternoon. Yeah, so early, you guys, you guys got still So five, we still have a bit of time to, we, yeah. could, we could go see the GFA and find out what they want. We could go and see. I actually don't think that, that seeing the GFA before we see the pallet court's a good idea. I think that, I mean, and that's a discussion that needs to be had as well. Does it matter if you go and accept the GFA contract to take care of Hazi before you actually have been and figured out, have you resolved the blood pool thing? 
and and how does that go down? And then there is the right now it's the wish and a prayer. We hope that at the end of the tunnel or in the sewer system, that's where she is. Yep, but you don't know. Yeah, and I think that that given that set of choices, I think three five probably did the sewer. Get in, get out. And the thing it. is, and we too, could do that with a time frame. I mean, we we could actually turn around and, and set a time frame. And say look, we're going down there. Quick look. If it gets too difficult, if we find someone that's not her, if there's going to be a big blue, you just bail because we don't have the time to to spend banging around down there. Well, and the thing is too, when you guys look at at the encounter with the rug, now I, I made this choice when you guys were returning. This is what I did. This is why you guys are damaged. Is because I said because you were damaged in when you were going back to the village of Never. It was a bloody hot day. So you guys all received, and it took you something like six hours right. from the morning to get there. So you guys all took some form of fire damage getting there. Now, I debated saying because of what was going on with the explosion that happened in the night as you're traveling on a sand ship, I, was, I debated, do I heal your wounds or do I give you exhaustion? I should have given you guys exhaustion and let you heal your wounds because wounds are easy to fix. Exhaustion is hmm. you requires you to have a long sleep. Anyways, that, that was my, my mistake. I learned something from that. Next yeah. time I won't be so nice. But the point is, is that this is why I, I liked what you guys did. Everything you did avoided using spell slots. So you guys are all, from mm-hmm. a spell slot point of view, you're still ready to go. You might be hurting, but realistically, Oraki is a healer. She could heal yep. you guys up pretty, pretty good with like prayer of the healing or something, because yep. that's a mass healing. And you guys will be, all right, let's get going. There's nothing to stop you because spell slot-wise, yeah. you guys are still... I think I'm down one, I think. Yeah, because you um, did... Oh, I, I caught you on that at yeah. the very end. Can yeah. I retcon this? And I knew exactly what you were going to say. I want to put the water breathing on all of these guys. I was like, no, no, you should have thought late. of that one. No, I'm not going to let that one fly. But that's okay. I mean, it, 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 and again, I just need a short rest and I can recover a spell slot. Yeah, because you've got arcane recovery now. Yeah, yeah. So that, uh, and that's... That's something I need to use a lot more often. Yeah. Probably should also remember and read the spells and know well, what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. Here's the thing, though. In the Actions tab, you can drop spells into the Actions tab, and it will do a pretty good job of putting the effects into them. Much better now than it was like six months ago. But you still can't drop traits or feats in. So, for example, Arcane Recovery is a feature for a wizard. Unfortunately, you can't drag and drop that into the Actions tab, and it creates the effect. You've got to manually create an action for it with... with... I, I actually, uh, I mean, I know that it won't do anything if you drop it in there, but just the fact that it is there means that, uh, and that's what I do. Yes, I, 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 do I drag too. it into the actions tab and I use that as like, that's my, this is my memory yes. prompt. Yeah. I can use this to... And that's why to... I, I push everybody to keep it in combat mode in actions because yeah. that tells you very clearly, I've used, if you use things, you tick it off, it disappears. It's, it's been used. And people keep switching back to the standard see mode the so they can see everything. Got. And I'm just like, but when you do that, you are missing out on the point of the fact that, well, what do you have left? You might accidentally try to reuse things. And I can't remember. It doesn't help me. And that's why I try to force the business of you must be in your combat mode and actions mode. If you're not yeah. in the combat actions mode in a combat and I look at your character sheet and see that, then you're not going to be able to use your ability because to me, it's yeah, the only way I can be sure yeah. that you guys are are like for example the guy last night the gm was really really nice handing the guy because he was very very new to this but frustrating because i've gotten to the point is you need to know the interface you need to know how to do your character 
and you need to know what the combat tracker is. You need to know this. And if you're not... And again, oh, I think it, it goes back to the thing, you know, that bit of advice that you tell people. Fantasy Ground makes your life so easy. It's just a case of find a bunch of people, start at level one. Yeah. And... Learn it. Yeah. Learn it. Go to the Fantasy Ground College. Play yes. there. Just... You can actually learn how to use it to get by in about two or three sessions. And then after that, it's just a case of being able to take it to the next level. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of advanced stuff that some of the GMs who've been dealing with it over and over and over again learn eventually that you can do lots of really cool tricks with the, the effects. Yeah. But does a regular player who only plays once a week, chances are no. But if you get the basics down, just dragging and dropping from the spells, the spell list, the effects are almost perfect. Yeah, and look, the one criticism that I would have of that, and that was one that showed up last night, is that by the time you get to level 5, instead of a 1d10, it's a 2d10, yeah. those kind of things. Part of When I was talking about the advanced stuff, then it becomes, these are the kinds of things that you can do. You hit level 5. It's not automatically going to upgrade no, the it spells. Doesn't. You've got to go back and understand and how then, you can actually manipulate a, the spells yeah, that you've got. If it's a 2d8, you've got to drag got, another d8 and drop it in there. So then the all box, of a sudden yeah. now it becomes a 2d8. So when you click it, it will roll the 2d8. And again, you yeah. go to Fantasy Grand University. These guys will... will yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the you know, they'll send you yeah. the pictures and, and show you how it works. And they'll talk you through it and yeah. whatnot. And they'll have it up and you join a yeah. session. The, the only thing is with the Fantasy Grand College is I, I think they would be better off if instead of people joining their server is they set up a WebEx... And then they just, they, so you were viewing their desktop as they were configuring, and then you would run Fantasy Grounds here on your own, and you would configure on your own yeah. in order to get it through. Because yeah. the, the reality is, unfortunately, if you connect into them, they've got to verbally explain something to you, and verbal explanation is nowhere yeah. near just showing That's where you've got to click. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is that, that you can play with it. So you yeah. can actually, if you've got Fantasy Ground, and you bought the appropriate licenses and paid the appropriate amount of money, you can create your own characters yeah, and manage true. your own yeah. characters. Uh, and you can do a standard license like, with with the player's handbook. You can go to town. Yeah, and so that you can pick apart, which is what I did. I, I must say, what I did was I took a couple of characters that I'd made, exported them out of Fantasy yeah. Ground, brought them into my own environment, and then looked at what they did and looked at what happened when I changed stuff. Yeah, but again, it's you know. Start simple, be patient, you'll be there in a couple of sessions. Yeah. Well, still, and the other thing too, though, is I, I mean, it would be nice if, like, when in Fantasy Grounds, they, they'll set things up so that, like, if, you've, if you want to have Xanathar, Xanathar will have a lot of DM content, but they have some player content for some of the races to tweak your race or yeah. sub race and stuff like this. It would be really now when Wizards of the Coast produces Xanathar's Guide, it's just here's the book, and it's got DM stuff and player stuff in it. It would be really nice if they started to recognize that from a virtual tabletop point of view, there is a difference between DM and player. And basically, yes, here is the book. You can buy the physical book. But in terms of virtual tabletop, as a player, I just buy the player content for Xanathar. So then that, that player content becomes available to me. And I don't have to pay for the full guide because I don't want to know about the DM stuff. I just want to know about my new options as a sub-race. Wouldn't it be nice if... I could buy, like, wouldn't it be nice if I could have the spell set up? You know the spell set up where you drag and drop all the spells across that has been done by whoever did it? Wouldn't it be nice if you could just buy that? But you can. Oh, can you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. On DM's Guild, Rob Tui, he created that list. So I bought, I bought it from, from him. It was like five bucks for that module. 
Well, I think that's good enough for this week. So we will catch you guys again in just one more week. Cheers. Hello, good people of the interwebs. This episode is now done, dusted, and finished. I do hope you enjoyed it, and I'll be back in just one week.